Standing strong, faithful to the finish. Uh, one of the elders reminded me that we uh, wanted to do Ephesians like four years ago. Remember that? Who was here four years ago when I said, hey, I want to do Ephesians? And they were like, pray for me, right? And then all of a sudden God's like, no, no, not that. Uh, here's this whole like theme, three-year theme called built strong. And now we come back after Ephesians, we're like standing strong, right? He's built us strong. We've been taught four years worth of information, four years worth of transformation. And now we're like, at the end of it all, Ephesians coming to a close. Matter of fact, you're like, hold on. Last week we did Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. So what in the world are you going to do with Ephesians? Go ahead, say it. All right, all right, right. Well, open your Bible to Revelation all right, chapter two, right? Because Ephesians, we're not done with Ephesians yet, right? In Revelation, Jesus has a message for the church in Ephesus some 30, 35, maybe even 40 years later, okay? And he's like, hey guys, I'm still here and I have a word for you. And so, you know what? What a benefit to us. That we can go, okay, yeah, that's Ephesus, that's Ephesians, this is the believers, this is what we should do. And then we could fast forward 30 years or more later and we could say, how are they doing? Let's look at that. Let's look at how they were doing and what Jesus was telling them then. And uh, you're going to see it right here from Revelation chapter 2. Now, when you open the Bible, you can't just rip it open and be like, yeah, it's great, Revelation 2, 1 through 7. i got to give you a little bit of context. So um, let me do that on the series, and let me do that on the passage, okay? First, we're in a series, right? What is it? Standing strong, faithful to the finish, right? Okay, and we've had three weeks. What was the first week? Oh, man, preacher's got to be better. The strength to stand today, every day, right? And then the courage to stand together. Thank you, Caleb. The courage to stand together. That takes courage to stand together. And then today, you're like, what is it? What is it? <laughs> Let the secret out of the bag. It's up there. The secret to stand forever. Like, for eternity, in the presence of God. I can't wait. What's the secret, though, you might say? Well, let me get into the context of Revelation. Here it is. Um, look at Revelation 1, verse 3. This is really key. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. God gave him to tell you through the messenger, an angel. Okay, But in verse 3, it says, what is the first word? Okay, that's something to be grateful for, right? When God says you're blessed, you can be like, oh, okay, thank you, God. Blessed. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. I'm really feeling it as I read it aloud. And blessed are those who hear, ooh, you're in it, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now, you just got to be on this. We're blessed if we read it. I would encourage you to go read Revelation. We're blessed if we hear it. You're listening right now. Listen closely today. And you're blessed if you do it. And I think that's the most important, right? Hearing it and reading it leads us to what? To doing it. 
That's the end game. If we don't do it, if you hear, if you're hearers of the word, not doers only today, we've got, we got nothing. But if you do it, if you keep what is written, we have something special. And then he says in verse four, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and is to come from the, and I could go on. But he's writing the whole book, all 22 chapters, to the churches. So many times I read it and I'm like, okay, he's writing it to, I'm not sure, but chapters two and three are to these churches. No, 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 no. What he's doing is he's writing 22 chapters to the churches and then he gives them each an individual message. Hey, you get this. Don't worry about those other ones except for don't learn from their mistakes and learn from what they're doing right, right? But don't worry about them. Worry about you, your church, right? And so there's a, a specific message for each one, and then the whole message is for all of us. So let's just get to the church at Ephesus. And uh, I think I've said this before, but uh, Ephesus was uh, about 250 to 500,000 people. I wasn't there, so I'm not sure. That's a big discrepancy, I understand. But scholars say it was big. It was a kind of a hustling and bustling city. It was a lot of trade and commerce. Uh, there was a big harbor there. To the, to, the, to the sea, and then there was like four like Roman major roads that like connected right there, and so it was a big deal. Everybody say big deal. It was a big deal. This city was a big deal. So it's like the first church in the area, the first church to get a letter, and it's, it's a big deal. So all of that to say, um, this message they're going to get is urgent, as in, as in from God himself. Like, if, okay, so here it is. Matt, if your kid, what's your oldest his name? Liam. If Liam, okay, sorry, I didn't remember that. If Liam was outside and you were inside and there's glass, right? And uh, you see Liam running towards the street and you see a car coming. What are you going to do? <laughs> Tell him to run faster. All right. <laughs> he can't hear you. There's glass. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's something there. He can't hear me. What are you going to do? Right? It's like a fire alarm. Break glass and pull lever, right? Like, Arr! you know? Like, you're going to get after it. This is an urgent message. Jesus himself raising his voice and saying, what? You know, over here. It's a big deal. And, uh, and then challenging. It's challenging right? Because when God raises his voice and he says, hey, hey, stop that, do this. Oh, you're doing really good over here. We're all like, oh man, that's kind of challenging. <laughs> it's very challenging. And then it's all focused on Jesus Christ. Now, last thing about this church, just going to say this quick. This church is a big deal for another reason. It's like, who's who? It's like the dream team of church world. Who started the church? Who was the founding pastor? Paul on his second missionary journey, Okay. And they're like, stay, stay. And he's like, nah, I got to go, man. But I'll leave you Priscilla and Aquila, charter members. That ought to do. Then he comes back on the third missionary journey and he pastors the church for three years. I mean, that's amazing. Paul's the senior pastor for three years. And then what happens? He leaves his best person. He leaves Timothy, and he says, Timothy, you pastor this church. You take care of these people. 
and Timothy becomes a senior pastor. Paul's number one recruit becomes the senior pastor of this church, ongoing. And Paul writes him letters saying, stick to it, stick to it, right? And he's like, you're my best guy. You're the only one that loves these people the way I do. And it's so encouraging. But there's one more reason this is an amazing thing. The guy writing the book here, John, the apostle John, he was an elder in that church. I'm going to say he was the chairman of the board, okay? I'm just going to go there. I'm thinking if he was an elder, he was probably the chairman of the board. But, but he's an elder at that church. This church is on fire, in fuego. We just spent so many weeks all year talking about how awesome this church is. And I want you to read now what's going on in the church and what is the secret to standing forever. Let me read it for you from Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, angel, messenger, leader, it's confusing, but it's clear Jesus is the one saying it and he's sending a messenger. Whether that's an angel or an actual man, it could be either interpreted with the word he's using. We're not sure. To the angel, or I will just use the word messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now you're like, I'm really confused, but if you look up above, it says the seven golden lampstands is the seven churches, and the seven stars in his hand are the seven messengers. Okay, so that's clear from just a couple verses up. He says, I know your works. Underline the word know. Jesus knows you intimately, personally. I know your works. It's a term of, term of inf- intimacy. Adam knew Eve. Does that get it for you? That's, that's a pretty clear example. I know you. I know your works and your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are Enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have grown and you have not grown weary. Man, I wish I could say that. I want to say that. We want to say that, right? That we've been faithful as God's been faithful. We do want to say that, right? Man, that, that, that challenges me right there. But I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do, or I would add, redo, the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand, your church, from its place unless you repent. Yet you have this, You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. We're on the same page there, at least. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will, literally overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, which is in heaven. Tree of life, eternal life in heaven, with God forever. This is an amazing passage. So what is the secret to standing forever? The secret is God's clear plan. 
When God tells you, clearly, this is what you're supposed to do, Phil. When he tells you that, clearly, do this. That's, that's the secret. You're like, I was kind of hoping it was like grandma's secret, like meatball recipe, like nobody really knows what it is. She just throws a bunch. No, it's not that kind of secret. Jesus is like, here's the recipe. Here's what you do. Remember, repent, redo. That's it. If you want to stand strong forever, do these three things. Add water, you'll be good. It's pretty astounding. So let's just start with the first thing. The secret to standing forever, we must remember. We must remember. We must call to mind. I was reading that verse from... uh, Lamentations. We must call to mind the goodness, the faithfulness of the Lord. We must call to mind. So Jesus, in his sovereignty, calls some things to mind. He, uh, he has five things here. Let me just run through them quick. You must remember this. You must remember the person and the power of Jesus. Now, how are you going to remember that? That's what we got to ask. Go ahead, ask me. I'm going to give you some uh, hand signals right? So how can we do this? We must remember the person, we'll just point up for Christ, and the power of Jesus Christ. Okay, everybody up, everybody up. No, no, that's not, hey, thanks for the student section participating. Everybody up, hand up. The person and the power of Jesus Christ. We must remember the person and the power of Jesus Christ. We have to remember that. He goes on to say this, I know your works and your toil. Toil literally means working to the point of exhaustion. Have you ever done that? Have you ever come home with like a migraine? You know, where it comes from the back and kind of over the top of the head and you're like, I got to go to bed. I have given 16 hours of my day to this and I need to go home. That's how they did it. They worked to the point of exhaustion. And your patient endurance, they were continuing in it. It was a continual thing. It wasn't like a one-time deal, one-day deal. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, right? And I've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. He's like, man, I really love what you're doing here. The verse above it says he holds you in the palm of his hand. Do you want to know what that is? Jesus Christ holding you right there. It's authority. It's control. God says, I have you. I have you. And then he says, I walk among you. Jesus is interested and he cares. He knows our needs and our wants. He also says that we're supposed to be a light, right? We're a golden lampstand. The church is a golden lampstand. We're supposed to be a light to the community around us. We're supposed to shine, reflect Jesus in such a powerful way. So you have the person and the power of Jesus Christ. How are you going to remember that? You're going to have the person and the power of Jesus Christ. You know, adults aren't really into hand signals, but I'm going to keep going because I am. All right. (laughs) The second thing that you need to remember. Remember the presence and the praise of Jesus. Remember the presence and the praise of Jesus. So Jesus is like, I'm here. I know you. And I have some things good to say to you. Work, toil, patient endurance. So here, let's do this. Ready? That's a golfer's clap for sure. All right? I mean, seriously, it's not like, right? Jesus isn't just like, 
Well done, little guy, right? He's like, whoa, you're doing it, yeah, right? And he's just so cranked up about you and about what you're doing. That's good for him. He's excited about you and he knows you. One thing I want to say about this, they've worked to the point of exhaustion. Like, there's no slackers in this church. They're all giving 120%. Matter of fact, it would only take one time to write in the bulletin, we need some workers in children's ministry, and it would be full. That's countercultural. Right? How many planning center invitations does it take? Right? If you want to go old school, you put the sign-up sheet out there. It could be there for six to seven months before you get somebody to sign up. And he's saying, no, 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 news church. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. You put up a sign-up sheet, it's full. You need another one. You put in the bulletin, we need a little help here in this area of this ministry. Boom, it's full. You say, we need five people at each side. People are running down to be the first one to read. That's the church of Ephesus. That's amazing. I want to be part of that church, eh? You want to be part of that church? Patiently enduring. Hupomene is what that means. Uh, Sam, I'm going to need you. Come on over. So, um, hupomene means to remain under, and I just like to climb on your back, so come on under me. I'm uh, only 220 pounds. I lied. It's 210. Okay, so if I put all my pressure on here, what are you going to want to do? Squeeze out, right? No, no, no. Don't squeeze out, because if you squeeze out when the pressure's on, what happens? Go ahead, try to get out. You're going you're gonna to dislocate something, right? Because you don't have the good base. You're not standing strong. So when you try to like slip out, you're going like, to hurt something. So just remain under the trial, okay? That's many. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hupomene means to remain under the trial. And sometimes it's just hard. You just stick under that thing and uh, keep it going. So the obstacle is heavy. So this church looked at the obstacle. They're like, oh, that's so huge. Big obstacle. And then, and then they looked at God. And what did they say? Come on, church. Let's be Ephesus today. And they looked at God and they said what? Bigger. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what your trial is, God is bigger. And he's saying that. He's like, dude, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what in your life is weighing you down today, and I'm sure there's plenty, you can wait on the Lord, you can trust him because he's there for you and he's bigger. This last thing, he, they stood for the truth. They tested evil and false teachers. Um, just, just a little side note, you can write it down in your Bible, Acts 20. Paul, when he left and then came back, he called the elders to himself and he prophesied that this was going to happen in this church. He's like, there's going to be guys in the church and they're going to try to lead the church astray and you need to stand for, for the church. You need to stand for the truth. And they had done it. Maybe because Paul told them to do it. Maybe because they were steadfast, looking, keeping alert. They knew it was coming. They did it well. All right. So we have the person and power of Jesus Christ and we have the presence and praise of Jesus. He's right there and he's clapping for you and he's like going, yes, let's do it. 
Jesus had some difficult message to say to them as well. Um, he starts with the praise and the positive. That's great. But here, let's get to the problem. And the problem is like this. Go ahead, put your thumb out. Here's the problem. Eric, you're going to like this. This is a twisted thing right here. Ready? Twist that thing. Boom. Hit the chest. Right? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Problems are bad. And here's the problem. Right? You got to put it on yourself. Here's the problem. I got the problem right here. And it says in verse 4, but I have this against you. A couple weeks ago, we were like, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, and all this stuff, the legions of doom, the demons, and Satan, right? Here, Jesus says, I'm against you. That's a wrestling match I don't want to be in because I'm not winning, right? With the power of Jesus, I can win against these other insurmountable forces, but against Jesus, no, 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 I didn't sign up for that. I'm not Benedict Arnold. I'm not going that way. But he's saying, I got this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Now, I want you to think about this. Anybody have a New American Standard Bible? Boom. I knew you would because we read it together all the time. You're always reading something different. All right. What does it say there? Not abandoned, but left. They left. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. They left. It doesn't say they lose They didn't lose their Bible. You didn't lose your Bible, did you? It's in your lap. There it is. But you can leave your Bible, right? You're not going to lose your salvation, but you can leave walking with Christ. (laughs) You're not going to lose your time with God in the morning. He's there every morning. But you could stop showing up. That's what they did. They stopped showing up. Why? Because they were busy doing all the ministry. They are busy doing all the things they needed to do to be who God called them to be. You need to write this down. Their duty destroyed their devotion. Their duty destroyed their devotion. Their duty to Christ and his church, misplaced for sure, destroyed their devotion to Christ and the church, the bride. Their ministry dried up their interest in intimacy. They turned their back on God. How does that happen? It's because of wrong motivation. You know, sometimes we do what we do for wrong motivation. Sometimes we just don't do it for the right reason. Sometimes our heart's wrong in doing what we're doing. The right things, for sure, but the wrong heart. I'm doing the right things, but I'm doing it with the wrong heart. And when we do that, it gets really sideways. So I'm going to give you this. This is from my senior pastor in Naperville, Illinois, Ron Zappia. Four pitfalls of ministry, okay? Everybody's a full-time servant in ministry. You guys know that, right? I get paid. I'm in vocational ministry. Thank you for paying me to do my job so I can encourage you to do yours, okay? To equip the saints to the work of the ministry. I appreciate your generosity in that way, all right? Now, but we're all ministers of, of the gospel. We're all ministers. And here are four pitfalls for every one of us in ministry. Here's the first one. Serving to please myself. I want the pat on my back. 
you know, Phil shows up and he works in uh, children's ministry as a security guy. Nobody wants to get by us that guy. I'm pretty grateful. My kids feel safe. And, um, you know, but if he's serving because he wants like, yeah, that a boy, way to go, right? I remember the time where you were like, man, I didn't even get to church. And I'm like, dude, hold on, wait, wait, wait. No, you got to get to church because your duty then gets in the way of your devotion, right? You've got to go to church. Don't just serve twice because you have to, right? Don't do that for the pat on the back or any other reason, right? You get to church, right? And so I would just say to you, if anybody in here is serving two services and not getting to church, stop it now. You're like, you're preaching in the choir. We're all here. I know, but it doesn't happen every week, right? Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. It's not about the pat on the back. It's not about craving the praise. Second thing, serve to please others. Will they like me? You know what? We're pretty good at making guilt trips, aren't we? You should do it because you're a Christian. You're, I'll get to that in a second. Hold on. But the truth of the matter is, if I call you and ask you to do something, you're, you're more apt to do it than if somebody else from the church calls you to ask you to do it. Why? It's the pastor. I want him to approve of me. And if we're serving for the approval of others, that's not the right reason. That's probably why I don't make those calls anymore. Our staff does. And you should treat them with the respect that you would give Jesus Christ. And consider when they ask you to do something, just consider it with the right heart, not with the wrong heart, okay? All right, so four pitfalls, serving to please myself, serving to please others, and then this, serving for status or profit. Want more money? Well, that would be a staff thing. Or, or the next title? Well, that's, that's definitely a volunteer thing too, right? So it's like, man, if you would promote me to this or promote me to that or promote me to, then I'd be okay. But we don't serve for status or title or profit. And then this fourth thing, four pitfalls of ministry, serving because I have to. This is the Achilles heel of Christianity. People think if I go to church, it's got to be boring. (laughs) You know what I mean? Church should be fun, people. Like serving Jesus Christ is a joy-filled thing, right? But people have this thing. If I go to church, it's got to be boring. And if I go to church, it's got to be hard work. I got to serve. I got to do it. It's all Eeyore. Woe is me. I got to go serve a church with the kiddos again. Get a grip, man. You get to impact some lives for Jesus Christ. I get to tell Jack about Jesus again today. Woo! Hope you're listening, Jack. It's going to change your life, buddy. Like, that's how I feel about it. I get to do I can't believe I get to do this again. Why do I get to do this again? Why do you get to be here again? Why do we get to do this again and be a light to that community? Why us? Jesus chose us. Don't serve because you have to. Please don't. I'd rather you didn't serve than serve because you have to. Christians don't have to serve. They get to serve. And it's not our duty. It's our delight. So, this. You're like, you painted some bad pictures there. Yeah, I know. So why do we serve? Matthew 22, 37 through 39 kind of says why we serve. Okay? Here it is. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I love God, that's why I serve. 
And this is the first and, and greatest commandment, right? And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know what I serve, Ryan? I serve because you, your wife, your family, because I love you, right? Someday we're going to be a small group together again, eh? Let's do that. All right. I, I love you. That's why I serve. I love the Lord, and I love you. That's why I serve. And that's why we should all serve. That's the motivation of our heart. All right, let's get to it. Next is the plan. The plan. So I don't know about you, but I coached a lot of football in my day uh, with little kids. And so, Jack, if we were in the huddle, um, here's what I might do. I'm either going to draw it here on my chest, but I'm going to use the hand. Okay, so I just start drawing out a plan. Like, you go this way, and then I'll go this way. And, then, and I've got it written down right there, right? Remember, repent, redo. There's the plan, all right? But, but at the end of the huddle, when we got the plan, go ahead, get your hand out. Come on now. Start writing. There's the plan. Who's going long? Who's going short? Where are we going? Okay, remember, repent, redo. Okay, but at the end of the huddle, what do we do? Hands in, baby. All right, come on, guys. Come on, guys. All right, hands in. We're stacking hands on this plan. Let's go, right? Let's go. So, hey, the plan, okay? And then we're stacking hands on this, and we're saying, let's go. Let's go, all right? So the plan is, I don't need to belabor it. Remember means to bring to mind with effort, to keep on remembering. A journal is really good for this. Get a journal, write some stuff down, go read it again. It's really good for this. You can bring it back to mind, the things that God's taught you before. And then repent. Repent is a change in mind and direction. It's not remorse. It's not I'm sad or sorry. It's I'm wrong and I know it. And I agree with God that my sin is trash and it stinks. It's summer. It's gotten hot. Have you ever lifted the lid? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. You almost gagged right there, didn't you? Just lift the lid on your trash can in the middle of summer and you understand what I'm talking about. My sin smells like that. Oh, I'm running. Good thing I have some boys to take the trash out. Praise the Lord. Sorry, guys, you didn't know why I was asking you to do that all the time. I'd rather vacuum. All right. My trash stinks. Get it out of my life, God. You ever get to that? Next time you go to the trash and lift it up, guys, you're going to be great for this, okay? Just be repulsed by the smell and apply it to your own life and sin. My trash stinks, and I need to repent of it and stop doing it. I want to be on God's plan. Okay, and then this last one, the plan is to redo. Do the deeds, the things you did at first. You got saved, right? You read the Bible, right? You prayed, right? You learned, right? You, you went to church, right? Do those things again and again and again with more fervency, with more endurance, with more faithfulness than you've ever done it before. Do it like that. All right, more about that in a second. Let me finish with the last um, thing to remember, which is the promise. The promise. So, so let's just read it here. He says, um, but I have this against you that you abandon your first love. Remember, therefore, uh, where you have fallen um, and repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. That's a, I mean, I don't know about you. You don't want to be removed from the church and you don't want God to remove the church. Like, I don't want that. Which I also, uh, and, then, and then he says this, he says, unless you repent, 
Yet this you have, that you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So, go, so God goes, hey, you don't feel the same way as I do about this thing, but you do feel the same way as I do about this thing. Can we just get on the same page about that other thing? I love how he does that. He's like, you hate them, I hate them. We're on the same page here. Can't we get in the same page here? Can't you repent? So he's kind of bringing them back around. I love that. And then he gets to this. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who will conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So hey, take your hand and go like this. Are you listening? Because Jesus is talking. And if you're listening and you hear him, then you can see him too. And he looks like this. Open arms. He's not like this. He's not like this. He's like this. Can you listen to that? He's like this. His promise is that you can have eternal life with him in heaven forever. Arms open wide. Kind of looks like a cross, doesn't it? Because he died for you. Arms open wide. Won't you listen to him? Are you listening? He might be the only person worth listening to, honestly. So we have the person, right? And the power of Jesus Christ, right? What's next? Okay. Yes. I love it. I love it. Thank you. We have the presence and the praise of Jesus Christ. You've got to remember these things with the problem. And it's me, right? I need to remember. I need to repent. I need to redo. If you're thinking somebody else needs to do that today, you are wrong, right? It's you. It's me. I need to do it. I'm the problem. I need to do it, okay? And then we had the what? The plan. Write it out. Stack hands on it. Let's go, right? Let's go. And then you have the promise, which I want to listen to. And it's that he's open-armed and he's waiting for me for eternity in heaven with God. I love that. Okay, so hopefully you're going to be able to remember these things. First thing was, we must remember. The last two, a lot more quickly because I've already hit on them. Second, we must repent. We must repent. What we do for the Lord is important, but so is why we do it. It's a heart matter. We must repent, all right? It's a heart matter. What we do for the Lord is important, but so is why we do it. So you can be like, I'm doing all the right things, Steve. But why are you doing it? That's the question. But why are you doing it? What's the heart motive? That's the important thing. That's the really, really, really important thing. So I'm just gonna break it down to you for like this. Can you point to a time in your past, where you loved Jesus Christ and served Jesus Christ, worshipped Jesus Christ more than you do today, right now in this moment? Can you point to a time where you and him were better than you are right now? Do you remember that time? Can you repent of this? Whatever it is, whatever it is that's changed something with you and him, can you just like, he didn't move. I moved. Can we just be honest? He didn't move. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't move. 
We moved. Can we repent? And can we redo the things that we did then when we were like on fire and fuego for him? That's really what we're looking for. And then this last thing, redo. We must redo. And I want to just say this, back to the basics, right? We got to go back to the basics. We got to um, go back to it, right? So there's no magic formula. It's the secret to standing forever. I get it. It seems really crafty. But it's, there's no magic formula. It's just clarity on the plan. It's God's plan. And hard work, right? Hard work. Put the time into your relationship with Jesus Christ. I think if you go back and say, yeah, it was better there, you're going to go like, oh, but I was more focused on Jesus then. Put the time into the relationship with Jesus Christ you were putting in then. Don't fake it. There's no reason to fake it. You're in a room with a bunch of people that love you. No reason to fake it. Just go back and do the hard work. Put the time in with Jesus and let's roll. Because at the end of the day or the week or the month or the year, what's inside comes out. Right? So here it is. This is the Holy Spirit. This is Steve Diedrich. He fills me up in the morning and I'm really grateful for that. Sometimes to overflowing, which would be even better. And then the trials of life come, do they not? And what happens is this. And what's inside of me will come out. And then the trials of life come. And this happens. And what's inside of me will come out. And I'll redo it. And I'll redo it. And I'll redo it. Again and again and again. Because what's inside of me will always come out. And that's hard. Because we know that our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jesus knows it. He knows it inside and out. And he longs for you to know that he knows it. To repent. Remember, he knows it. Repent. Get back on his page. Redo these things. Here's why this is important. We went through Ephesians. Ephesians is a rock star church with rock star people. This is a great church. Love it. But we have to remember this. They lost their first love. They left is the better biblical term. They left their first love. And they left it for good things like ministry, right? like doing good stuff. We've got to have the right heart in order to do the thing God wants us to do, okay? Take a page from their book. Some 35 years later, Jesus is like, hey, 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 hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I have a word for you. Come back. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I'm going to ask you this question in closing. What voice are you listening to? Okay? As we walk out of Ephesians, what voice are you listening to? That's the question. Are you listening to the voice of Jesus? Are you listening to the voice of uh, some critic or some person that you've allowed to get your ear? Are you, what are you listening to? Jesus is calling us to a clear plan to stand for eternity with Him. And we must remember and repent and redo. Keep on, do that and repeat, 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 repeat. 
That's the plan. That's the secret to standing forever so that we can stand strong, faithful to the finish. All right? Now, let me pray. Father God, I look out across all these people and I ask that you would cause them to stand strong. Stand strong in the Lord in the courage and strength of his might. I ask that you would um, infuse their heart and remind them of their best days with you and help them to understand that their best days are ahead of them. (laughs) Because as we repent and return and redo the things that you called us to do at first, man, we're right back there. We're right back there where we're on fire for you. And I pray that over this church like I see it in Ephesus again and again and again. I pray you never remove our lampstand and you'll keep this church flourishing and on fire for you for, for a long, long time until you come back, Jesus Christ. Amen.